Welcome everybody to the Daily Podcast. We're back at it again. Another week, another guest. He's been on before. This is his second time. Welcome back, Rob Opsel. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Good, man. It's uh, 12.56 a.m. Mm-hmm. And we're doing a podcast. Late night. This is the latest podcast I've ever done. Podcasting. At night. <laughs> Late at, it's like uh, Nick at night. Yeah, there we are go. You, are you hyped about that Disney Plus or no? Uh, no, I'm going to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, I think... Uh, well, first of all, I've never been a Disney person, but on top of that, like... You're going to say some shit about how streaming services aren't cool because yeah. they, they strain the man. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> basically, like... Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, like, you, there's, you already have Netflix. Then you have Hulu. Then you've got Amazon Prime. Then you've got Disney Plus, and there's probably... It's adding more. to the... Uh, capitalism free market of it all what's also just inefficient like it, it at some point netflix was so unique because at one point it had everything yeah. and then you know all these production companies start you know pulling their stuff and you know making their own exclusive to, to try to make money and i mean that's just gonna competition kills essentially it's gonna eventually get to a point where people are gonna, just gonna be like oh i'm just gonna illegally stream that I'm not going to pay for six different streaming services. I'm just going to find a way to illegally stream it. Yeah, that's fair. Because, like, I do agree with you. Like, I think this is, it has reached its max. Right. I think, like, if anyone tries doing it after Disney+, Plus, which I know it's in the work to do it, like, NBC has one coming out, and then, like, HBO has another one coming Mm -hmm. out. Right, HBO already has, like, two. They have, like, HBO Now and HBO On Demand or whatever, and it's just, like... I can't talk about one of them that just came out because I have affiliations with the company. Oh, okay. Um, Mr. You know, the most recent one that we can't say what it is, but it's like it's already a product and then they basically just added plus onto it. And okay. And I, you, you know what I'm talking about now? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, but I'm going to pretend like I do. So do you know Samsung? Yeah. Do you know the oh. opposite of Samsung? Oh, the opposite of Samsung. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't I can't say or I can't give any opinions on how I feel about it or anything. Uh, but right. like just mentioning it, I think that was a cool addition. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. If we have another one come out, it's just gonna be like we're already at our max. We got all of these we got all we ever needed in Too terms of streamings. Mm-hmm. So it's like Eventually, you're just going to, right, illegally stream everything or get away with TV. Right. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we're in like a golden age of TV right now. I mean, some of the best stuff is coming out. I mean, pretty much since Breaking Bad. uh, This is true. I love TV shows. I'm not a TV person. That's another reason why everyone's like, oh, man, are you excited about this streaming service? Or, oh, man, did you see this new Netflix show? You're more of a movie guy? No. I don't really... Like, mess with much visual media a lot. Oh, really? TV, movies, I'm just not... I'm, I'm a big premise guy, so it's like the premise has to be good. And usually, like... I don't know. Uh, I guess I have a short attention span. Television shows usually don't captivate me. I was watching Westworld pretty religiously. Um, it was a lot easier when there was somebody with me to, like... Hey, let's watch this. Then yeah, yeah. when I'm on my own, like right now, I want to go back to like watching Supernatural. That was another show that someone else introduced me I to. Love that show. Su- super good. Like I'm, I'm really into it's, it. It's but... Supernatural. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, but you know, I can never make the time for myself to actually sit down and dedicate 
to like a, a, a television show. I get it, man. You can't even text people back. It's yeah, cool. I understand. Yeah, I'm really bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, you know, people on Twitter probably think I'm serious when I'm dissing mm-hmm. you every time you tweet. I'm just like, yeah, you could tweet this, but you can't text me back. It's unfortunately true. It's true. Though. I'm not actually upset about it. Okay. I'm like, glad it, that it's facetious. Well, it's just because, like, uh, you know, we have a you know certain thing that we're working on behind the scenes. Right. And we're trying to get that off the ground. But I'm, I find it more productive for some reason to tweet something dumb at 3 in the no, morning. No, it is more productive <laughs> for the brand. No joke. Okay. It's like... If you're not... Right, I have to perfect my e-boy persona exactly. before we can launch this. It's unfortunate because, like, I think that social media actually... Well, obviously, it takes a toll on everyone's mental health. Mm-hmm. But, like, my like prerogative to, like, be not popular on Twitter. Like, mm-hmm. That's not my goal, to be popular on Twitter. But I just, like, really put a lot of more thought than I should into, like, being... A Twitter influencer mm-hmm. when I'm not. Like, I I have 1,400 followers, but I, it feels like a lot more to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, that's like, a the, lot more than I have. <laughs> yeah, but those, those not a lot of followers. I don't have a lot of interaction. Okay. But, like, I've built my interaction in the mm-hmm. last year or two, mm-hmm. and it's, it just keeps going up, mm-hmm. which is, like, you can't lose the momentum, you know? And right. it just kills your... Because, like, you, you start tweeting stuff, and you're like, oh, man, this is the... This is the one, and then it gets no interaction. I see. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, well, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I, so I run a, a car spotting page. I think I talked about that at, towards the end of the, the last podcast. Yeah, you do. And it's like, that has like 600 or some followers on there, and my problem is that I just couldn't keep up with it. Like, I haven't posted, I don't think, in, in two months, which also has to do with a lot of, like, mental health stuff. Um, but, you know, um, it it got to a point, you know, where it's like, you know, I'm getting, you know, hundred averaging 100 and 40 some likes on a you know per car and it's like sure that's that's all well and good but it's like it it plateaus and it's like you're like damn i really need to go out and find something that's super rare or exactly. super ridiculous yeah yeah that's what i'm saying like <clears throat> it's always like the next thing mm-hmm. which is why i think social media does you know as you said take a, a toll on on mental health because we value it in a certain way you know likes follows interactions uh it, it it feels like it's the equivalent of going out to a club and nobody coming up and dancing with you or talking to you it's like twitter I, in fact somebody i, I it was a, a former partner of mine um i was justifying my use of twitter to them because they didn't have many social medias at all at the time um and we're walking up to Barrio, actually, uh, and I'm, like, explaining that, like, Twitter is like being in a club or a public square, right? And you get on a soapbox and you yell something <laughs> in the crowd and whoever claps or, you know, shouts out back to you, that's what it's like. So when you, when you tweet something into the void and everyone just kind of looks and does nothing, it's like you feel the same way. As if, as if that literally happened to you. Yeah. At least some people do. Some people yeah. take it that far. 100%. Well, like, you know, for me, um, the crazy thing about Twitter is how great it is for marketing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the projects that I'm working on, mm-hmm. well, the daily podcasts, like you're listening to, whoever's mm-hmm. out there, the, the one person. <laughs> um, oh, come on. It's like six. 
It's it's, <laughs> it's it's like six thousand, bro. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All this money you're making off podcasting, right? Oh, I'm a millionaire now. I just decided to buy this home. I came back home, Cleveland. I, I still live in Columbus, but you know, I bought a couple of homes here. Um, but it's like I don't know. Twitter is so good for marketing, so I have to be on there. Like, I feel like I have to be on there mm-hmm. to like build my brand. Yeah, I because I, I don't say. really. I tr- I stop trying on Instagram to like build mm-hmm. through the podcast. I mean, I promote on there, but otherwise, like, Instagram's terrible for marketing. Yeah, and Twitter. You if you even look on like things that you don't get a lot of likes or retweets on, it gets a lot of interaction. Yeah, the impressions. Mm-hmm. If you look in the stats, like, there's like five thousand people that seen that. Right. Like, what. Yeah. <laughs> but no one liked it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Once again, it's like you're looking out in the void and, and you know, you realize that, yeah, okay, you know, a couple of people around me answered back, but, like, I'm, I, how do I reach the, the crowds? You know, when you look at a tweet and it's got 39,000 likes, it's like, yeah, 39 pe- 39,000 people interacted with this tweet, but how many people saw it? Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, like all of Milk's tweets. Yeah. Shout, shout out Milk right. in his bag. Uh-huh. He probably is not listening. He's been on, but he's probably not listening. Uh, guilty as charged. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should listen. Bro. I need to listen more. I've actually been listening to more podcasts recently, and I feel like that's going to help this time around. Yes. You know what? what's also funny about podcasts is that uh, I was just listening to Rogan the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking about, well, no, actually his guest, Kevin Smith. Okay. You know, comic book man, Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, right, Kicks. right. The, yeah. yeah. The, Kevin the legend Smith. Kevin Smith. Well, also my sister dated a guy named Kevin Smith that went to our school. Right. I'm, I'm also, sure you also, also know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also pretty cool, but, you uh-huh. know. <laughs> but um, he was talking about how. I guess a lot of podcasts now, they're getting sold like TV shows. So, like, people go into a studio mm-hmm. and they bring their pitch. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, okay, cool. We'll buy that for $100,000. And here's your budget. That's kind of wild. Isn't that weird now? Yeah. Because uh, I always thought it was just like, you know, you, you just start one and then... But I didn't really think there's like, a sell process to it. I can't imagine ever selling my thing. Right. I mean, because I guess, imagine, like, the money that the... I mean, well, okay, so that's the thing is, like, I was, I've was i been talking about this recently with... Uh, I have a buddy who really, really loves po- uh, certain podcasts. Um, and he was saying about how much some of these, like, leftist podcasts that he listens to bring in all this money on Patreon. Yeah, I got to get a Patreon. I think that's the next step. And honestly, when we're talking about social media and the evolution of social media, look, premium social media is going to be the next step. You're talking about like people paying for like subscriptions? Yeah. Because they're already doing that with journalism. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you... I don't subscribe to it, but like The Athletic is like a sports column Mm -hmm. page, like... And they started started charging people like three ninety nine a month, mm-hmm. and you get all the articles for free. Right, you know, and it, it, the thing is, is like Twitter and Facebook and those things, they're not going to convert themselves to premium social medias. Those are going to stay free, and they might stick around for a while, but there is a potential for them to be killed by streaming service style social media. Uh, you know, a la Patreon. Um, I. I can't think of any other ones that are not 
like super sex worker oriented, but yeah, <laughs> like only, only fans. fans. <laughs> <laughs> that one will be around for a while. Right, right. <laughs> but see, they promote through free Twitter. The, exactly right. So it's like the free social free social medias are always going to be around. Uh, but I feel like the, the the next level stuff is really going to be the premium subscription, almost like I said, streaming style you think social so? media. Because like, here's my opinion on that subject. Mm-hmm. Like, you're probably right. There's probably going to be a lot of people that come out. But I can't think of one idea in my head mm-hmm. that would ever overtake Twitter or Facebook. See, I thought I mm-hmm. saw the Facebook downfall coming. Mm-hmm. But do you know how many people still use Facebook? Way more people than Twitter users. Well, Messenger and the events and just the organizing that is that can be done on, and I mean that in a broad sense, uh, that can be done on Facebook is honestly, like, they've saved their brand. Like, they've saved their institution as a social media. Unlike MySpace. MySpace wasn't able to do that. No, it wasn't. collapsed. And that, but see, that MySpace would still be around if they had some sort of thing that kept them there. Yeah, and they, they tried, tried to music. Right, like, that was a bad. And then streaming move. services came like shortly after that. And right, over. So they were kind of at the pioneering, like cutting edge of it, but they didn't do it right. No, but um, I just can't see like what would take over Twitter. I mean, they tried doing that. Remember, like way back when I f- I don't even remember the name right now. It starts with a P. It wasn't Periscope. It was like uh, Path. I don't remember that one, but I remember Gab. I don't know. I'm, that might be still around. <laughs> really? Yeah. What's Gab, Gab is, bro? Is I would like, never download an app called Gab. It's it's like a more anonymous Twitter. Uh, and it, People love anonymous shit. Yeah, like what's that one, that Curious Cat, That's yeah. which is like a reiteration of something that Originally Ask. came out, and that's it. Yeah, in middle school <laughs> or, or early high school, like whoa. Um, but uh, when it comes to uh, like th- this Gab app, it was like because it was anonymous. <laughs> because it was like more anonymous, it was like hijacked by a lot of right wingers and neo Nazis and oh. white white supremacists, and they would use it to just like quote unquote tweet or gab. Uh, just some of the most despicable stuff that I've seen on, uh, you know, a 140-character social media app. Yeah. <laughs> you see that uh, that Emmett Till page? They, like... Well, obviously, they have, like, the Emmett Till Memorial. Uh-huh, right. But they, uh, the white supremacists, mm-hmm. like, went there, and now they're, they're, like, brought a lot of visitors to, like, mm-hmm. fix it or whatever. I don't right, know what right, they right. did, but... Yeah, I did see something about that. I think it might have been you who retweeted that. Um, but yeah, that m- memorial is unfortunately defaced fairly frequently recently. I don't think historically it has been, but recently there's been a lot of like is attention it in the brought south? to it. I'm sure. It's yeah, been, I'm, I'm sure it's always been. Where defaced. is where is Emmett Till? I think that was Alabama. I'm, I'm a bad history teacher. He's from Chicago, but it was mm-hmm. in Alabama. He was visiting. Yeah, right. I want to say it's that's like what it was. Or right, exactly. Yeah, um, it's probably has historically been defaced. I'm, I'm just probably unaware of it. Um, Wait, hold on. This is, I'm sorry to, I, I just suck at staying on topic, but um, I wanted to just bring this up because it popped into my head. Did you, do you want me to blow your mind real quick? Go ahead. Joe Rogan and Gerard Way are, are second cousins. Are you Because I just said cousins, so it's not uh, that much of a duration. No, but You know that's, what I mean? But, like, yeah. They, what? Don't, they don't know each other, but, like, they are, like, closely related. That's really wild. 
I know, right? I wonder who I'm like, who's famous, who I'm distantly related to. Or not distantly, but like, Don't do Ancestry. I know you know not to do it. <laughs> but like, don't do Ancestry.com, bro. Yeah. Sell your DNA to the government. Well, yeah. Next <laughs> thing you know, they're going to say you're a serial killer. Something like that. <laughs> I mean, the FBI showed up at my house before. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but... <laughs> Have they really? For what? Yeah. Uh, during the RNC, the Republican National Convention. Because I was a member of uh, a Student Social Society on uh, Cleveland State's campus. So um, that my name was in a newspaper that we published. Uh, and they showed up to the people who had written articles in it and were knocked on our door, asked us if we were uh, going to participate in any, quote, uh, anti-government or violent acts. What? Yeah, it was real. Israel? No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, it was real. Um, that's kind of scary. A little bit, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't take a doesn't You're, take a, uh, a a government institution with hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars behind it to, you know, pick up a school newspaper and read who writes anti you know rich people sentiments in it, but uh, you know. That uh, it was a little bit scary that they could, you know, figure out, oh, yeah, this guy lives here, you know. Well, no, I think the thing that, um, the thing that scares me wasn't that. Mm-hmm. I think it was just the fact that they felt it necessary to actually show up to your house. Yeah, right. And some of the questions they asked me were kind of absurd. I'm sure you can't repeat them because uh, they, they would get really mad. They probably would. I don't really care, but also I don't want an FBI agent to be listening to your podcast and be like, oh, we got to take this guy down. And next thing you know, hey, they're showing up at your place. if an FBI agent is listening to my podcast, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate any listener. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, I don't want no problems. I'm just asking Rob about his past experiences with the FBI. You guys are cool. Um, I'm also talking to my phone at the moment. Because, you know... And that water bottle has an FBI microphone in it. We're we're bugged up here. Yeah. <laughs> Were you gonna say something on the Emmett Till situation? I cut you uh, off. No, no, not really. I mean. All right. Cool. Well, so do we want to? What do we want to say about this project right now? Because we don't want to like splurt out what it is, right? In a necessarily sense. Uh-huh. I don't even know what I just said, but I, I'm just saying that. If you explain the concepts, it means someone can steal, steal it. it. Right. So we can't do that. But it's it, we are going to be doing a podcast together. Yes. And it's going to be your project. Yeah, to a certain extent. Yes. Well, it's, we're going to be co-hosts. Right. But like I said before, it's going to be your project. Uh, you are doing all the groundwork for it. And if people enjoy you on here, I just want to let them know that there's going to be enough, something in the works. Soon enough, you will get a trailer mm-hmm. that we might record tonight. Mm-hmm. And in that trailer, will involve all the juicy details that you need to know about any upcoming project that me and Rob Opsel mm-hmm. are doing together. And we came up with this idea at a punk rock show. So that's a little preview. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good, like... It's a little bit of bait. <laughs> yeah, we came up with it at a punk rock show, and it might, it just might involve punk rock. Maybe. I think it will. Probably 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, actually. Are you excited about it? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I'm I have been working on it, just maybe not as diligently as I should be. Sure. <laughs> but like I like I said, you do all the groundwork for it, so I've done nothing for it. How about that one? You've done more work than me. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know. Did you ever see yourself starting a podcast? No, especially because like before you had me on, I had a fairly like anti-podcast sentiment. Yeah. And you kind of you kind of sold me on on the idea. Um and I was like, well, you know, if Josh could do it, anyone could do it. No, exactly, dude. Okay. No, for real. <laughs> Listen, I just got super close to the mic and I was really loud, so I apologize to um, my mom for listening. Um, but <laughs> I, my mom doesn't even listen, bro. Uh, I'm struggling here. My mom actually asked me if she could listen. To this? To or this, yeah. Why? Because she she wants to listen. She was like, oh, you're going to be on a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, the the same one that I was on earlier this year. She's like, oh, I want to hear those. And I'm like, all right. Like, so yeah. she listened to the old episode? She has not, but she's going to. She's I'm, going to. Yeah, I'm going to tell her where to find it. This one comes out. This is being recorded technically Wednesday morning. It will come out Wednesday. There you go. So she'll have another episode locked and loaded for her. Right. You know, this is season two now. Right, I saw. You were on season one. Yeah, you were like episode 48. Mm -hmm. That's a long season. 50, 50, 50? episodes. You see, okay. The thing was is that I wasn't going to do seasons, mm -hmm. but I I just explained this on the last one too, so I apologize, but I always repeat myself anyway, so who am I kidding? Um, I took like, I accidentally took like two months off. <laughs> Okay. In between releases, mm -hmm. you know, because I was going pretty consistent there, like one every week or mm -hmm. two every week, which I'm back to that mm -hmm. schedule. So that's why we had to get this in. Right. I needed one for tomorrow. <laughs> to stay consistent. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you would have thought. See, but ours, I'll get back to what I was just saying, but ours, our project, when you guys get it, it will be locked and loaded. It won't just be... Uh, inconsistent. How about that one? We're gonna we're gonna have that stuff figured out and ready to launch weeks in advance. Exactly. Hopefully. Yeah. So it's gonna. Well, you know, we'll see how it goes. Right. But I wasn't gonna do seasons, and then um, I was in like two months in between. A lot of stuff was going on. I moved. I uh, there was a point where like I had a creative block. You know mm. how you get writer's block. Definitely. It's like I had creator's block. Like I was just like. I didn't run out of ideas or things to do, but I and I didn't lose motivation. Like I kept telling people, like, yeah, I do a podcast, I do stand up, but mm -hmm. I wasn't doing any of it. Yeah, I feel you on that. Like over the summer, there was a period where it's like, oh yeah, I do photography, but I literally didn't know where my camera charger was, <laughs> and it was just sitting dead in my room for like three months. Shout out the person who finally bought me a new camera charger. Who was that? Um. Oh, okay, gotcha. Excellent line. Yeah. X. I don't know why I asked who it was. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, I get caught up in a normal conversation. I forget that I'm on there. You know what I mean? But um, you have a couple things that you brought today outside of our project that you want to get into. You're fed up, to say the least, with a, with a certain place that you will not be naming unless you want to name them. I could care less if you do. 
you do seem to care. I know the people aren't going to have their real names, so I'll explain that for people. Right. Um, so I guess I guess you could say this is this is an expose that I've been kind of piecing together for for a little bit now. I originally wanted to do an article about it, um, but seven hundred words is not enough to describe the the, the shitstorm that this place is. Um, I'm, I'm, the names are changed for the, to conceal the identities of, of those involved, and you know they're and the faces are blurred out, right? And the, the voices <laughs> sound like this. Yeah, you gotta every time you mention a character, a you have to. Yeah, every time you do a quote, you have to draw wool always in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. That's a podcast. You should just, <laughs> just <laughs> a hidden identity podcast where everyone you interview is a hidden identity. <laughs> well, I was actually I was kind of considering that. I'm like, well, we could just do like a normal one, and then I could do one where I'm just like playing a different character. But I'm like, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to go through that. I've actually always wanted someone to come on as a character. I think it'd be interesting. You ever listen to? Well, you probably haven't because you we were anti podcast, but comedy Bang Bang. I've heard of it. Well, the TV sh- it was also a TV show. Okay, but yeah. Like he, Scott Ackerman has guests come on and they play characters. That's cool. I like that. That's all they do. It's improvision. Especially if, I think, uh, like an occasionally recurring character would be funny. They do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I have my favorite characters that they have. (laughs) Like Paul F. Tompkins. Do you know who that is? No. He's cool. You should look him up. Paul F. Tompkins. I'm going to write that down. He's funny. Next to my list of... Uh, this dude came prepared, man. Next to my list of identities that are changed and things that are equations, equations essentially, we'll call them that. Rob came over, he just started doing equations. I was like, I don't yeah. know what this dude's doing. It's, I mean, it's on. Uh, it's a composition <clears throat> notebook, but it's graph paper. Which it's I think Rob's is weird. declassified podcast podcast survival, survival guide. There we yeah. go. I love that show. Well, probably one of the best shows on on Nickelodeon, at least live action, at least. Yeah, that was it was a great show. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, so do threw I threw him off. Do I just dive into this thing? Or? I threw him off. That yeah, I mean, like honestly, you can just start wherever you want to. I know this is something you wanted to do, mm-hmm. so I want to give you that platform. Sure. Uh, so like like I said, names and identities and stuff are changed, including the name of the restaurant. So if you look this place up, you're not going to be able to find it. Uh, I've changed the city that it's in. I've changed, you know, a lot of, I've even changed some details to make it maybe to those who are listening, maybe a little bit too explicit to, you know, conceal like illegal activities or things like that. So nobody's going to get in trouble for this. Um, yeah. So, uh, this over the summer, uh, I got a job working at, uh, we'll call it the Blackburn Grill. Okay. In, in Broadview Heights, right? So there's a couple of these things around the Cleveland area. Uh, there's also some in a state in the south that I can't name because then that might make it too explicit. But a southern state. There's two down there. Um, and I basically got the job because I started seeing this server there. Um, and it was pretty much like chaos from that point out. Um I've worked in a restaurant before, as, as people who have tuned into the previous episode know. 
that Chipotle, Chipotle uh, the the Mexican restaurant, the Tex-Mex, the quotation marks Mexican, right, right exactly. Uh, and and I thought I was I was coming in there pretty cocky, thinking like, oh yeah, I know what a restaurant is. I learned what a restaurant is, uh, and uh, restaurants are scary places. Like I was I was immediately warned uh, by people when I told them that like, oh yeah, I'm starting to work in like a real kitchen. They're like. You're gonna have a chef who's gonna be doing cocaine off the like s- server station, and what? I'm like, I don't think that that's true. Now, although that never happened, I honestly cannot. I'm not entirely sure that our head chef was not on cocaine. That that is something that would probably explain his uh, personality. Um, the when I interviewed with him, that was like the the first moment that I knew that something was like going terribly chaotically wrong was the dude like, so he comes out and he's this like shorter balding guy, but I don't know he's balding because he's wearing a hat, um, uh, in glasses and he like, he sticks out his hand, but it's in a manner that is like, his fingers are like way spread out. And I'm, 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 what? yeah, like, like way uncomfortably, like webbed, spread out. And I'm okay. like, all right. And I like attempt to grab this man's hand and he does one of those things where he grabs her hand and he goes in for that firm handshake and the firm handshake, I think everyone knows is three pumps. I don't know. Some people did the two, Yeah. but everybody knows that it's three. This man's was like seven. What? So like by the time that you're, by the time that you've reached three, you've already limp fisted it and you're already embarrassed. But then there's an additional period of, oh, he's just not letting go of my hand now. And while he does this, he kind of leans his shoulder in and looks you dead in the eyes. And I'm like, is this like a Beauty and a Beast character? I I think he's putting a move on you. That might, I don't know, that might have been. Um, he's like, welcome. Yeah, he, very, very welcoming. So uh, he sits me down. We He likes he likes what he's here, and he's like, yeah, we'll start you, you know. Um so I uh, I come in for training like that weekend, and I'm thinking that it's going to be very Chipotle style, very like you know, there's going to be a book, and they're going to sign me off, and they're going to validate me on stuff. So I, I get into the kitchen, and I'm introduced to Chris, who is uh, a a guy. He's kind of a portly fellow, uh, nice nice as can be. Um, but my first like interaction in the kitchen is he, he's like the guy who's been there the longest. Um, and, uh, he like goes to shake my hand and he's got a glove on and I shake his hand with a glove on and I'm like, Oh, sorry, man. Now you got to change your glove. And he just kind of gives me, he goes from being this like happy, like, Oh yeah, nice to meet you to, to this. Like what? And I'm like, okay. all right. So I evidently cleanliness is not, Important here. Um, so then I'm introduced to my trainer, um, uh, Stephanie. Um, and uh, she has apparently been in and out of the restaurant. Like, she was there for a little bit, and then she was gone, and then she's back. And, like, so I are already I'm, I'm aware that there's some kind of a turnover rate, but the turnover rate, like, eats people, where it's like, you'll leave, but you'll you'll get pulled right back in, hmm. and I'm like, all right, so that's that's interesting. It seems like a couple people here have, and I found out that a couple people here had stories like that. 
Um, so uh, in this this training day consisted of uh, the the head chef Blair uh, showing me around the kitchen, leaving and leaving me with Stephanie uh, to be essentially just stand there. Uh, I, I, I was a pantry chef. Um, so that consisted of making salads. Um, that, that, that's the thing that I think is, is probably one of the more interesting parts of the restaurant is, is the menu. So the menu of Blackburn Grill is basically, how, how should I say it? Um, it's an overpriced Applebee's. Yeah. Uh, it's it's got pretty much all of your your favorites, but done up in some way to make them exuberantly more expensive. Um, to for for example, um, one of the earlier days that I was on there, um, that I was on this this station, this pantry station by myself, uh, I'm I'm making a uh, I'm making a steak salad, and I've never looked at a menu before. I've only been kind of, like I said, thrown into this and expected to kind of do it myself. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm making the steak salad and I'm like, well, I don't have all that much lettuce prepped because uh, the morning guy didn't do it. So I'm, I'm going to you know try to be as conservative as I can here. You know, same rules as, as Chipotle. And I, I make this kind of sorry-ass excuse for a steak salad and... Um, and the the general manager John comes over, uh, and he to to describe John so that way we we all understand because he's actually an important player in the grand scheme of all of this is uh, he he's a tall like pop punk emo kind of style kid pretty good looking I I would say he's he's a pretty good looking guy um, tattoos. Uh, and, and the way that the management dressed was always like in like nice like professional like jeans, but like corporate casual, right? Sure. Because they they had to interact with both the front and the back of the house. Um, so like he he's this like six four six five lanky skeevy, I guess that would be the best way to describe him. Looking guy. I don't guy. Even know what skeevy means, but I, I feel you. I yeah, I, I feel like even if you don't know what that means, that's just like you, you are kind of like imagining something. What what this guy looks like. Yeah. Uh, he Okay, so the way that my, when I when I got my friend uh, uh, Reggie hired in later, um, he described him Bro, as... That, hold on, that name... Change okay. That was, was that too way, easy. That was way too close. Uh that's what should we change his name again? No, but like <laughs> even I just figured that out. I but it, well, I'm not really worried about his identity. Oh, I he know. But anyways, fun. let's go back. But anyway, back. so um, <laughs> so Reggie, if you okay. will, uh, gets hired in, and his first impression or his, the first thing he says to me about John, which also is probably too similar to his name, but that's beside the point. It's not like he's going to be listening. Um, is, uh, what is it? Um, he looks like the character in Courage the Cowardly Dog, uh, who's like, oh, you've been, you've been naughty, you've been bad, and it's like, that's, (laughs) that is honestly probably Is that the devil guy? I think so. And it's like, this, that is this person incarnate. 
Like that, they're literally just like an, an a actual personified version of that character in real life. Um, so he he comes over to me and he grabs this sorry excuse for a steak salad, and he's like, "Dude, this is twenty two dollars. You can't serve somebody a couple pe- pieces of lettuce with steak on top of it for twenty two dollars. Like it's got to be, <laughs> it's got to at least look like it's worth half of that cost." And I'm yeah. like. Okay, so now I just learned that, and and so so I found out after after perusing the menu that the steak, the tavern steak, uh, is twenty four dollars, the most expensive thing on the menu, and the steak salad is twenty two dollars. So you're getting a whole steak for for twenty four, and and you're getting some lettuce with a, with steak on top of it for. For twenty two, and I was making thirteen fifty an hour, which just shows kind of the exuberant, uh, like unnecessary expensiveness that the, the, this like restaurant put out, and the the quality of the food. I mean, we're talking frozen fish, frozen shrimp, um, uh, Briars ice cream that's eight dollars. You know, ice cream that you could buy an entire pint of for $4 at the grocery store being served one scoop on top of a warmed up brownie in a cup for $8. Wow. Uh, I mean, people in people in this area apparently will, in the areas that this the, the, this uh, Blackburn Grill uh, it's is. It's always a rich area. Exactly. Right, right. Uh, they're, they're catering to these, these uh, petite bourgeois uh, professional managerial class, if you will, um, uh, of the air of the uh, Greater Cleveland area. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of regale uh, everyone with the the interesting cast cast of characters that worked there. Um, my first two, the first two people that I ever met there uh, were after I got hired in. Uh, the server that I was seeing took me out uh, with her friends uh, Eddie and Fred who um, we went out to a dive bar in Parma, which I <laughs> thought was which a little one? bit. Uh, it's, uh, what is it? I think it was either Characters or Knuckleheads. I think it was Knuckleheads. Because yeah, Characters is on uh, right by that rallies. And right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rallies. So, this was, so this was Knuckleheads then, because Characters is actually cool, because I think I've been there too. Um, I got Thursday wing deals. Thir- ooh, have, you ever, have you ever been to Pounders? <laughs> I have not, but I've they, heard of it. They've got apparently good wings. What about Sloppy Bob's? Sloppy Bob, no, Sloppy Bob's. I got. So, have you ever heard of the State Road Stumble? Yeah, you went on. Yeah, that. we so were you, supposed I, to come back in uh, for that, but didn't make it. Right, I, I did go on the State Road Stumble. For those that are unaware, uh, Parma is a very, very working class suburb of Parma that uh, has one main stretch one main drag if you will where there are bars scattered throughout it's kind of like that parma's that like church pew or bar stool kind of town um and um it, you just went down the whole line you just exactly you go down and you, you hit all 10 major establishments sloppy bob's is probably one of the most fun i think red circle is my favorite but 
but sloppy. I've never been to sloppy bars. I know it just recently opened, like last year. Yeah, I guess somebody who graduated from like Parma High or something, or one of the high schools, uh, opened it or something. Really? I don't know. That that might be. I I may be wrong, but probably. Apparently, it's <laughs> not far from it. Right. Um. So yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty okay joint. Like it was it was a good time in there. Um. So yeah. Uh. Knuckleheads. Um. So I expected it to be, you know, go in, have a couple drinks, you know, have, have a, a drink or two, and and head home. Um, what I walked into was my first exposure to the kind of like. Um, so what I've described Blackburn Grill as is besides an overpriced Applebee's, is a um, a factory that destroys young twenty-something-year-olds. Right. Um, what I found was everyone in present company uh, drinking themselves to excess while playing pool um, to a point where I don't think I trusted anyone to drive a vehicle home that night. Um, they did, aside from myself, um, which they did anyway. Uh, and I, I kind of told myself, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get caught up in that culture. And everyone, almost everyone on this list, this cast of characters here that I have in front of me was exactly caught up in that culture. And like I said, including myself eventually, um, which is why I've called it a, a factory of destruction for young 20-somethings. Um, I don't think that there's a... Because what, what, I, what I came to find is that everyone who worked there had talents, abilities you know, things outside of this that were so much more but ended up squandering their abilities and squandering their talents by dedicating so much of their lives and time to this establishment. And it, it, it's almost cursed in a way, I think. And and what's interesting about it, I'm not because I'm I'm not sure about how other Blackburn girls worked. But I think this one is particularly interesting because it's kind of it was kind of one of the flagship restaurants of the company, right? Um, particularly because it was the building that it was in was built in the 1880s as a schoolhouse, and then it was converted into a tavern uh, that served you know the the like rural area. At, at the time, from like the 1940s until the 1990s, when it closed, because the owner died, and the, huh. the owner wanted the owner progressively became more and more obsessed with the tavern to a point where he had actually had a apartment installed upstairs. So the the building itself was this big decrepit wooden barn like building. I, I, I guess the premise for the for the for the company as a whole is the, the only way that I can describe it is serve overpriced Applebee's food and make people think that they're eating in a barn. That's the the best way that I can I can describe the brand. Um, huh. So um, you know they they had a. Uh, uh, a copper topped bar installed. They had a uh, you know uh, all these rustic wooden you know things that were already there. They played them up. Um, the lighting was that of like you'd expect to be. They, they installed like a, a loft 
that was like for private parties, and we would get we would get parties of uh, you know we would have weddings at this place, and they would you know be sometimes 150 people. The whole restaurant would be rented out essentially. I I know somebody who had a uh, who went to a wedding there. Huh. Um, uh, a good friend of mine. Um, uh, it was after I had left, um, but uh, yeah. So that was kind of that's kind of like the aesthetic of the place. Um, they had live music every Friday and Saturday night. No, Thursday and Friday night, which is interesting. Cause Saturdays were usually dead. You'd expect Saturdays to be busy for a restaurant, but Saturdays were usually not that that busy. Yeah, that is weird. Um, so thir- but Thursday night there was a, a regular musician who would come in who um, I think was. By far my all-time favorite because not only was he so bad, uh, his name was, and this has not changed because I don't care about this this being divulged, um, was uh, Captain Kurt, but it was with K's. And the first time I ever walked out in from the kitchen into the dining room to see this musician playing... Um, the The R in his sign behind him had a little bit too long of a tail. And I read it as, I don't know if I can say this word on, on the podcast, but Captain... You can say it. Captain Cunt. Okay. And I'm like, I, I immediately, I, I'm going to the bar to get myself a, uh, a soda, and I, like, I'm, you know, shooting the gun into the cup, and I look up and I see that, and I'm, I just start losing it. I'm, like, dying yeah. laughing. The bartender comes up, and I'm just like... I seriously thought that that said that, and then next thing you know, it it became kind of an inside joke among among everybody that oh yeah, Captain Cunt is playing tonight at Bert or uh, pardon me, Blackburn Tavern. Um, so um, yeah. Um, what other crazy shit happened while I was there? Um, aside from the the big juicy ending of of me leaving and other things, um. The health code violation. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, so because the restaurant was so old, right, um, and decrepit and decaying, um, uh, when I was at Chipotle, we would have health inspectors come in fairly regularly. We had our own company come in, and then we had the the actual city come in, um, and they would report. So the way that health codes are interesting because I think that people think that health inspections are a lot like that SpongeBob episode, and they're not. Right. Um, so what happens is that there's like major violations and there's critical violations. And I think that they're both like called that just so they both sound scary. But a major violation is actually a minor violation and a critical violation is actually just something that should definitely be fixed. So like a, a major violation is um, seeing someone touch their apron with their gloves on. Um, which by the way, I think I'm convinced to this day that I am one of the only people in that kitchen who wore gloves. Uh, wow. I, I don't think, I think people were, were touching raw meat, raw chicken, you know, raw beef, um, you know, slapping it on a grill, touching the same hamburger buns and, and putting it on there. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly really impressed that we didn't have more sick people. Especially given how you know flagrant the violations were, right? Yeah. Um, so, so when from from my understanding, I wasn't there the day that the health inspector came in. Um, but it takes, I think, 
55 critical violations to shut down a restaurant. This is something that's like, oh, you have standing water. Oh, you have, you know, this drain hasn't been cleaned in 10 years. Oh, you know, this uh, refrigerator is broken. Those are like critical violations, things that must be fixed Bro, like that can't be fixed. Three of then. those should shut one down, in my opinion. Right. Like, so it takes 55 of those. Um, the Blackburn Grill in uh, Broadview Heights had 53 of them as of this year, as of this, as of this most recent health inspection. Wow. So not quite enough to be shut down, but enough. And, and what is like the worst violation you can think of? Other than the people touching raw meat. And stuff. Right. That that one is the one that upset me most, but I think it might be so I think the the one of the worst things in the restaurant was the drain situation. Um so there were there were four stations essentially. You had the server station, you had pantry which is where the salads and flatbreads are prepared. You had um, uh, the you had the uh, the grill section, and then you had the fry section. You also had the in between grill and fry. You had um, oh, what is that? Uh, Saute, right? Um, and that was those three stations were in a line, and the the way that the restaurant kind of like the floor of the restaurant kind of. Uh, was laid out because it was such an old building. Um, oh, it had grout tile, by the way. It didn't have like a standard like restaurant floor, like any kind of linoleum or any kind of like non-slip surface. It was straight like grout lined tile with like quarter inch thick grout lines. So when you'd sweep or mop or deck brush, all the shit just got piled into the grout lines. So the floor was constantly disgusting uncleanable you'd need to power wash it which one night they did while i was there at least one night um (laughs) for the five months that i was there one night in five years right exactly um uh so uh the but the way that it was the way that the floor was slanted is it all flooded into the fry corner so at the end of the night after you got done deck brushing and mopping and everything behind the fryer was just standing water french fries and it smelled like a combination of rotting food pond water and grease and you could see like the film of grease from the fryers on top of it and you had we i think one of the other worst parts was like you had we had one mop one deck brush, one mop bucket. So like, what is everyone else doing during clothes? Like, geez. So, so clothes consisted of anywhere between and so at Chipotle to 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 and maybe maybe it's because I came from fast food into an actual restaurant. Maybe there's some other kitchen people out there who are listening to this and they're like, oh yeah, my restaurant is much worse than this. That might be true. I don't know because I came from a fast food restaurant to an actual restaurant. Um, and the the thing that I learned the most was, I think, the fact that, like, these two institutions function differently. In it fast sounds food. like, uh, well, fast casual. Yeah, right. It sounds, because the thing about fast casual is that it's, it's restaurant, f- like, restaurant quality food, mm-hmm. especially Chipotle. Right, definitely. Restaurant quality food 
just served faster than it normally would be and there's no sit down and wait for a waiter which means this equates to less time being spent at the place you know so like i because uh the next episode is actually going to be me and ryan uh we're going to be ranking our food oh. like top food places you should maybe actually go here and try it, give it a shot, and see what you think. No, I yeah, don't, I, I don't, don't blame. I've you. already, been, I've already been there, but okay. I don't want to go again. Yeah, um, not even because the food was bad, but obviously because of the story. But also, I'm not interested in any food there. It's an overpriced Applebee's. You could get anything there for five dollars cheaper at pretty much any other restaurant. And I don't like Applebee's, so... Uh, there you go. Neither do I. The only <laughs> thing I like from Applebee's is the everyday brunch burger. And it's because it's a burger. And I don't eat meat anymore, though. But, like, it's a burger, mm-hmm. and it has eggs and hash browns on it. Oh, so that's the that's the, the, the Blackburn burger. Oh, That's cool. literally what that... We had a... When I... Some, my last month there, I was on grill. Um, and... Uh, that was the most complicated thing to make because you had to have you had to fry a hash brown, cook an egg, cook a burger, and put all this other bullshit on it. And it was like, wow, this is identical to, like, like you said, everyday brunch burger. Right. Yeah, but um, we're gonna be we're gonna be ranking them, mm-hmm. and Chipotle's obviously up there. But in my opinion, like the Chipotle stores mm-hmm. sound like they're run. Like how a restaurant is supposed to be ran. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, fresh ingredients, mm-hmm. clean, very clean. Yeah. Always cleaning. Everything right. is clean. All the time. Right. And I have a friend who works at Jimmy John's and, and he says like the the daily prep. Uh, daily. The, the, the daily. Yeah, there you go. Podcast. The daily podcast. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the cleaning tasks, the hourly cleaning tasks are, you know. Rigorous compared to that, right? This is yeah. This is like when I when I came in there, I was appalled, and I eventually just got used to it. Um, and the 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 so not only are you working in these awful conditions, the expectation for food to be out, um, both from the servers and from the management, is was was absolutely. Insane. It was absolutely unrealistic. Um, especially on Grill. Grill, I think, was harder than, than some of the other stations. Um, Fry also got a lot of shit for, you know... Uh, I mean, we're talking like... You had to drop it... You had to drop fries in a very particular way because if you dropped them too early, then they would be thrown away because they weren't good enough to sell. Or... Um, which, I mean, that might be a good practice. Or, alternatively, if you dropped them too late, then you'd be yelled at and screamed at by the chefs for um not uh you know uh not getting that out soon enough um and it was it's one thing to be screamed at by the chefs but then you also have the the management the the uh john celeste and and callie uh who are in these you know corporate casual business attire just kind of like screaming down breathing down your throat where is this why isn't this out i need this um but then you've got the servers on top of that that are just like I there's there's this one older guy uh, named Jack who looks like a frog. Uh, <laughs> everyone everyone really really disliked Jack. Uh, I actually heard recently that he um, he's had some medical trouble, so I won't talk too much shit about him. You know, I hope he's doing well. 
Uh, I, I wish he would be a little bit kinder to the kitchen staff, but um, maybe after this whole experience he's gone through. Maybe, maybe, hopefully. Um, but he uh, he would literally. I'd be on pantry, and he the server station was next to pantry, and so he would like type this in, and he would type in his order, and it would come on my line. And as soon as the ticket would print, and I would hang it up, he would turn around and ask me, "Hey, where's that salad at?" And this is during, like, peak hour when I have, like, seven orders ahead of his. And I'm just like, if you want it so bad, come back here and make it yourself. <clears throat> Which oftentimes servers would try to do. Um, and they would always end up fucking something up. So then it would come back on kitchen. Um, so th- there ended up being a, a very real tension between the front of house and the back of house. Which I feel like it's all of the things that I've said are true of any restaurant. But it was particularly heightened here and for also a variety of very dr- drama-based issues, both in front of house and back of house. And a lot of intermingling between management, back of house, and servers. It seems like a very crazy environment, obviously. Um, now, you're saying that like it, it ruins people's... like. Mm-hmm. Like early twenty year olds' mm-hmm. lives, was that related to like the going out and just getting like super drunk? So yeah, it, it was. A, so I experienced. So not only did I experience some crazy shit in the kitchen and while at work, but I think I experienced some crazier shit from going out afterwards or hanging out with the people who I worked with. Uh, there was this camaraderie among everyone who worked there that was like, our job sucks so bad, and we dedicate all this time and effort into something that doesn't pay enough, doesn't you know, doesn't reward us enough, doesn't feel like a good job. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go all go out afterwards. We're gonna get really fucked up and complain about it. Then we're gonna wake up hungover the next day and go in and do it all over again. Um, I can say for one that I worked the, I worked the longest shift of my life there. It was 16 and a half hours. I went in at eight o'clock for a mandatory meeting, which I thought I would be sitting and having a meeting. The meeting was me throwing on an apron and starting to cook a brand new menu that had come out, uh, at 8am and I did not get a single break. I was cooking things. Or prepping things on grill all day. Isn't that illegal? Oh, yeah. Well, no. So, actually, it's not. You'd think it would be. But in the state of Ohio, uh, if you're under, if you're over the age of 18, that is not required. So, of my 16-hour shift, I worked 8 to 8, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. No break whatsoever. Not even so much to sit down. I did, at one point, at about 3 o'clock when we were dead, have an opportunity to make myself a quesadilla, but had to eat it while grilling burgers. Um... I, I worked straight, 8 to 8, and then I at, at about 8.15, 8.30, I was allotted one 30-minute break. And the 30 minutes consisted of the 20 minutes that it took to cook my food. <laughs> so, really, 10 minutes to sit down. Um, it got... To, the other thing was it, it wasn't just people would get fucked up to go at, after work. What I, what I found myself also spiraling into was a... Uh, a pattern of getting fucked up to go to work, um, especially towards the end of it. 
uh, it was a, a situation of, you know, oh, sober on the clock could never be me. Um, bartenders were constantly getting in trouble for, you know, drinking or making drinks for back of house or front of house people. Um, if a drink was to be messed up, like by the bartender or the uh, customer said that it was too strong or not strong enough and it got sent back, servers would drink it. Um, same thing with kitchen. Kid, the, the kitchen uh, required beer batter to be made fresh daily. Um, and what ended up happening is the recipe called for eight ounces. So they would tell the bartender that it required 24 ounces and then drink whatever they didn't need for the beer batter. Um, what? Uh, I often would walk out to, you know, servers in the back hitting all sorts of different pipes and and such i'm not i'm not sure if anyone's smoking crack but probably um at least several times uh people would bring weed pens bowls never a bong i would i was i was really prepared one day for just someone to whip out a bong in the <laughs> kitchen uh which I, I mean that that would be pretty pretty badass but i don't think anyone was ever that um uh that daring. Uh, I mean, uh, the other thing is oftentimes the uh, the chefs. Um, now, I, I can't I can't indict Barry, who was just one of the the kindest and nicest guys. He was the sous chef. Um, I can't indict him. He did. He never drank on the clock. Uh, Blair, I'm fairly certain, did, um, and I I know for a fact John the the GM. I'm fairly certain of he was he was occasionally drinking on the clock which i mean i guess it's not bad but it's it speaks to the culture right it speaks to the culture of the like restaurant. i don't know like it's like um so like a follow-up question i have mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is do you think uh and do you know if mm -hmm. this has carried on past your time because like I've seen you just like even joke about it on social media about how you have a problem with drinking and you keep mm -hmm. trying to quit and then you go back and right. Um, I think that I would have significantly less of a um, well, I'd have less of a tortured relationship with alcohol if I obviously I started my early twenties out as straight edge uh, and eventually gave that up for personal reasons. Uh, and I, I I thought my drinking was very good very you know controllable um but during this period of time and the immediate period after i would argue that i did have a little bit of a drinking problem i would say that i developed um something to that extent uh and i think that it was conducive of the culture of of the restaurant yeah. uh, and and the aftermath and what's what's nice is i do actually do have an in and i've had an in since i quit uh, and we'll get to the story of how i quit here in a minute but um uh of of reggie still works there uh, and he has he regales me daily and nightly with whenever he's you know coming home from a shift of you know the absolutely ridiculous events that occurred that day, which are just more of the same. You know, I I, I say absolutely ridiculous, but to me they're like, oh, that's you know makes total sense of the the health the the flagrant health code violation that happened or the you know amount of uh, alcohol that was consumed on the clock, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, the so I, I guess it's it's time for me to divulge the the quitting situation. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's so, anywhere else to go. Right. So I ended my time there uh, the week after my birthday. Um, the server that I had been seeing um, 
and I had kind of had a, about a two-week period where they essentially stopped caring. Uh, they were dedicating a lot of time to work, and they were also dedicating a lot of time to another server. Oh. And I had already had something in my in, in this relationship of a little bit of a scare with a different server um, earlier um, because of the close proximity in which all of them worked together and hung out together. Um, there was kind of this click uh, of, of this group of servers that they were involved with. Um, so I didn't really think too much of it and I tried to like put it from my mind. Uh, but it eventually got to a point where I decided that I was going to say something about it. So I, I asked them to talk. And of course, the only time that they had to talk was at work. So I'm going into this shift already paranoid. Uh, I, I go in, I clock in, put my gloves on. Chef Blair tells me what, you know, is going to be done that day. And I'm like, all right, you know, I said, send, send. Said server shows up, and I'm like, hey, do you have that, like, five minutes to talk real quick? I don't have anything to, to, to do. I don't have any orders right now. So um, she pulls me out to the parking lot and uh, breaks up with me. Uh, and she reassures me. that's like, oh, you know, it's nothing to do with anything here. It's nothing to do with anyone, anyone here. It's just, you know, I can't be in a relationship right now. School's starting, this, that, and the other thing, yada, yada, yada. Um, fairly believable reasons. I had no suspicions or anything. And I'm like, all right, you know. Uh, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do this, this shift today. Uh, and I, I left, I walked out. Um, Oh, wow. We're, we're blacked out. Huh? We just lost power, huh? So, so this is, this is, uh, an offline recording so we can, we can keep going. Right. Or is the mic off? Yeah. It's an offline recording. Cool. So we're, we're good on that. We are. It is kind of weird. But. A little bit. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know what? I'm telling you, it's a hot, so, so I, I didn't, I failed to mention that when I said that the owner was putting in so much like effort in the earlier owner was putting in so much effort uh, in this like particular building and like died there. So like we always said that like yeah, the Blackbird Girl was haunted. This particular Blackbird. Cursed. It was cur- cursed, if you will. So I think the fact that I'm airing the story is like, it's it's coming back to haunt us, right? It's like Maybe. it's trying to the owner's is trying to sink his his claws into me from the afterlife. It's terrifying. Probably we're not too far from it. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> so, um, so that happens, um, and I, I leave uh, and I call the restaurant and I'm like, hey, um, I clocked in already, but like, I I kind of quit. So like, can you? like clock me out, you know, they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I just can't be there right now. I had an emergency. Um, so I, I went home and I processed that and I, I tried to, you know, wait, they asked you if you were sure if you were quitting. Yes. Okay. You and sure? then, then turns out I wasn't sure because Thursday when I was supposed to work my next shift, this was a Tuesday that this happened. They called me and they're like, Hey, you're coming in today. Right. And like an idiot, I said, yeah, I can do this. This is no problem. Sure. Oh, it was a problem. Yeah. Um, I I worked probably one of the most miserable shifts of my life. The shift itself wasn't bad, but um, having to work with your significant other after you break up with them is a hell that I think very few people experience. Which is a cautionary tale. Anyone who's anyone who's out there right now who's dating a coworker, stop it. 
either quit or figure something out um, because it's not good. Don't do it. Um, so uh, I quit after that day. I put in a I put in a letter of resignation and I'm like, all right, this is done. Everything's you know done. And I I thought that aside from Richie, Reggie. it's okay he's not gonna get in any trouble um aside from him you know still working there i thought that i would have rid myself of this place um but that's not the case because when i quit i ended up being rather although i had other work lined up um it ended up being very financially spotty in fact to this day i'm i'm kind of a little bit financially burdened uh, but it's worth it from the mental duress and the you know yeah. lack of drinking I've and drinking culture. Yeah, I I feel like I'm better off. Um, but this is this is where I get this is like the 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 big cautionary tale. The it's 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 not maybe the best to air other people's business, but like I said, I've concealed names and identities. But I so I am going to kind of go into the cycle of the factory of despair here. Um, the server that I was seeing had feelings for another server there. Um, that didn't end up panning out after they broke things off with me. Um, and their life kind of then spiraled out of control to some extent where they ended up dedicating a lot of time, like a lot of time to the, to the restaurant. Now, when I was there, they were undoubtedly the best server there. Um, undoubtedly they got the most tips. They did the most work. Um, you know, all, and I, I, I would routinely tell them you're being paid $4 an hour, essentially. Um, you sure your tips are good, but you're staying four, five, six hours after you've been cut. In other words, you will not get another table and will not be tipped just to do extra side work. You know, uh, they, they, at one point they dedicated hours to readjusting the side work like prep list so that way it would be more fair like I'm, t- I'm talking they literally sat down and, and made charts and, and did calculations and things like that and presented it to management for management to say no we're hmm. not changing it even though yours is arguably more efficient we're not changing it and I, I was just confused I was like why are you dedicating this much time to a place that literally rewards you with nothing so, one of the earlier conversations I had about the restaurant um, was about the manager, John, uh, who, like I said, is one of the skeeviest people that I've ever met. Um, and he had a reputation for picking a particular favorite server, gassing them up real good. Sleeping with them and then firing them. Okay. He had done this two times already. How does he fire them? You show up late. You sleep in a little bit. You miss your alarm. Next thing you know. Now, I should mention that that John is, like I said, young, good looking. Probably no older than 32 years old. Married with a kid. Okay. But he has this reputation and in order to keep this reputation from getting out from among the, you know, core servers, he makes sure to ax the server that he, you know, tends to 
to have these relationships with. Yeah. I, uh, I think you know where the story is going. Yeah, you slept with him. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, oh, well, no. Actually, John, if you're out there and you figure out which character you are, the actual John in real life, I mean, I think you're attractive. I'd sleep with you. I don't work there now, so you can't fire me. But, like, um, but yeah, so um, found out that that happened recently. Uh, so among, you know, other things like crashing her car on the way to work to avoid being late on time. Or to to avoid being late, you know, to, to be try, late on time. To be late on time. Yeah. Uh, to avoid being late, uh, she rolled her car over, lost that, um, then proceeded to, you know, be, uh, I guess you could say, uh, involved. Involved, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, what's a what's a predatory way that I can put that? Um, uh, yeah, essentially becoming prey to to this. Behavior taking uh, advantage of taking advantage of there we go taking advantage of uh in so many ways so many so many ways right um they've now found themselves you know the victim of of this general manager's uh, little scheme that he's got going on hmm. I'm sorry if John's wife is listening and figures out who you know. I don't think John's wife. I don't think so. But eh, there's potential, you know. Maybe the story will get out. Somebody will figure it out and justice will be served. But, you know. I've never been the the juicy podcast, the the details. I don't know. What's the, uh, for everyone listening, what's your main takeaway from everything that you just said? What's. I'm not saying what's the point because I understood mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I understood and I let you do it because I, I get where you're coming from mm-hmm. and the significance of it. But like, at the end of the day, yeah. why do you think it was important to tell this story? Because there's like a bunch of different aspects to it, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if people comment on these things or say I wish you. they did. I, I, wish, I wish they did because I'm I'm because there's I think there's three huge takeaways that we can that we can learn. This is a cautionary tale, right? It's a cautionary tale against workplace culture, you know, my anti-capitalist message here, uh, that the backing piggybacking on our last episode that I was on. Yeah. Is a job is a job. And at the end of the day, you are devoting your time your energy, your effort, and occasionally your body in many ways to a job that is going to leave you destitute and making all for making somebody else richer or making somebody else you know more money. And there's no fail-safes in place to stop them from exploiting you in, in many aspects. So... What I'm saying is, is that this this myth of oh, I'm just going to work really, really hard at my job and move up through the ranks and get good at it, is dangerous. Is dangerous. It what it does is it ruins young people's lives. We're told as millennials, and we're told as as Gen Z or whatever the I'm I'm in, I was born in 1995, so I don't know if I'm Gen Z or a millennial. I think I'm both. I'm on the cusp, if you will. I'm more 96, and they said I'm, like, the oldest. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it's... I, I think we relate The to, oldest Gen Z. Right, right. Yeah. And I'm, like, the, the youngest... Or I would be, like, then the youngest millennial. Yes. Or, yeah. So, it's, like, um, for this 
for this cult, for this group of people, age nineteen to twenty-seven, we'll we'll call it. Um, these workplaces are trying to get you to devote time, to devote energy, to devote effort into them, thinking that you'll gain something when in reality you won't. It's the same thing with with startups too, I think. I've never experienced one, but it's why do you think do you, if you think that oh there's pizza and beer at work and there's video games at work. If you think that that's not just crumbs, like little little like oh, you know, this rat cage is slightly bigger than the rest. You're still in a rat cage. Yeah. You're still running for someone else. You're still, you know, making money for someone else, right? It's still inherently exploitative. It doesn't matter how much you like it. It doesn't matter how much you like your coworkers. It doesn't matter how much you like your boss, even if you'll sleep with him. Um, at the end of the day, that's going to come back to hurt you in the end, not help you. 100%. Um, so that's that's the anti-capitalist message here. Um, and I think that also speaks to the kind of, like, you know, social message that it has to it, where it's like, you know, just be, I guess, like, cautious of, of people who seem too nice or people who seem to be, you know, uh, uh, I guess, you know, friends, if you will. Um, coworkers as friends and things like that. Because at the end of the day, I, I, I've, said, I've always said this, right? Um, the work experience, the workplace experience makes people behave socially different than they would in other circumstances. Um, for example, you develop work crushes, you develop work friends. You are, when you are suffering together, when you are brought together through this misery of, 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 you know, the, being a working class individual, that camaraderie brings you together in an ordinary situation where if you met under no duress, you would have no interest in these other people. And I'm, I'm not saying that I didn't make some actually good connections at, um, Blackburn Girl. Uh, I still pretty regularly hang out with uh, uh, one of the servers. Um, two of the, a couple of the servers, actually. Um, and I really like them, and I think that they're good people. I just wish that they could find a way to escape this trap, because I'm wondering, if it happened to my previous partner, I, I wonder how long until it will happen to them, or something similar will happen to them, will they, will they, where they will be terminated for a dumb reason, or, you know... Uh, in fact, at, at one point, I recall actually having a conversation with both John and Blair. Uh, they came over to my, to my line while I was on break. Um, break is in eating while waiting for the next order to come in. Um, and telling me, you know, they gassed me up. They immediately were like, you seem like a smart guy. You're in school. You know, you, you're doing this, doing that. You got a good head on your shoulders. How can we make the kitchen more efficient? I would, I would just love it. I would just absolutely love it. I would be so thrilled. If you could help us figure out a way to, to, you know, move these fridges here and move this, you know, what's the most efficient ergonomic way that we can do this? And I immediately saw through it. I'm like, you're making me do more work. I'm a, I'm a cook and you're making me, you're turning me into an engineer because you're too lazy to do it. Or you don't want to hire someone to do it. You would rather get input from, and don't get me wrong, worker, he's right. They were right. I think that workers are the ones who can most efficiently manage the workplace. But it's different when 
it's being done from an exploitative top down. Yeah, yeah. Point of view. I completely understand that. So I get I get what your points are. Mm-hmm. Um, very very interesting. Because like I didn't really know where it was gonna go mm-hmm. when you started. Um, but yeah, you you definitely don't want to get taken advantage of. Right. And this is just kind of a cautionary tale. If you think that your boss is taking advantage of you, if you think your uh, superiors are taking advantage of you at work, don't fucking tolerate that shit. Also, don't be tricked into believing, like, shit that... Don't don't trust... Bosses, I've always said, bosses, managers, they're like cops, right? They're going to trick you into saying something dumb, and then they're going to take advantage of that, right? In the case of cop, they're going to arrest you. In the case of a boss, they're going to use what you've done and then fire you and take credit for it somehow. I mean, on on Mike, I can't uh, right. agree or disagree. I don't, and I don't want you to because obviously, you know. The, I mean, I'm very open with my name on here, so mm-hmm. it's like if right. people... And yeah, future employers they'll 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 listen to this maybe. I'm more concerned <laughs> about current employer. Yeah, no, I'm for you definitely. You know for what I mean? me, I no, I know. Yeah, I'm gonna be a teacher. So principals principals in school districts are entirely different than the structure that I have described. Although they are still workplaces, and there is, I would argue, still some caution to be had. Principals are always, always, always educators first, and they understand education a lot better than most people. Whereas management, as I've said in our last podcast, tend not to be the most professional or the most skilled. It depends. Depends. Yeah, it definitely it depends. depends. But, but a lot of the time they're not. And I can tell you, I can because the I can tell you that in this case, this individual who is the GM of this Blackburn Grill in Broadview Heights um, is uh, has the same background as I do. Social studies education. Hmm. And he's the manager of a, he's the GM of a uh, restaurant. It definitely adds up. You know? Yeah. <laughs> We're all skeevy bastards. What can I say? Listen, buddy, I'm going to be a manager right now in the sense that I'm going to manage the fact that this is over. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think this is a good end point. Yeah. Got him, dude. No, but like, do you have social media you want to plug? Uh, yeah, call, follow my car spotting page first and foremost, even though I haven't, um, like posted on that. Uh, it's, um, at burning river car spotting. Really proud of that one. Um, uh, follow me on Twitter. If you want to hear my Rob Saul. at Rob Saul, R O B S A H L. If you want to hear my horrible takes about music and communism, it's pretty, pretty funny Twitter. There. You can catch me on everything. Podcast underscore daily D A L E Y. I don't know. I changed it recently, and I think that's what it is. Uh, in the meantime, I'm gonna figure out how to get power back into my house. Well, the house that I'm staying at, my mom's house. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week, whatever day you're listening. And tune in next Wednesday. We're gonna have another podcast. Like I said, that's gonna be with Ryan. I'm actually probably gonna record that tomorrow. If y'all forgot, Ryan is my girlfriend, um, and we're going to be ranking food places, like top tier, regardless, like Chipotle, Five Guys, everything. It's going to be exciting. Check it out. Rob, thank you for being on, man. It's very late, and I think we both need some sleep. Right on.
Okay, where's the mouse cursor? All right, here you go. See you guys.